0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: And I'm Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimguard, an anthology of dark fantasy, as well as the Grimguard role-playing game. And I had never watched Avatar until now. uh we've been going through the episodes of avatar the last airbender and i've been giving my reviews and thoughts on my first time viewings today we will be going over episodes five and six of avatar the last airbender um so we have our episode stats for episode five the king of omashu it was written by john o'brien have we gone over a john o'brien episode yet
0: no, I think that this is the first of his batch of episodes. he's um I was looking at the episode list actually on Wikipedia to see if he had done anything else uh, for mm-hmm. this season. he has just not yet. so this is the first of his episodes,
1: okay, interesting. Well, it certainly was unique. It was unique from uh, a lot of the other episodes. Um, oh, yeah. it was directed by Anthony Leoy. I'm assuming it's pronounced
0: leo, leo uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <That sounds
0: better. laughs> Sorry, we'll,
1: we'll go with we'll go with Leoi. uh and it is uh animated by dr movie
0: the more anime of the two
1: <laughs> y- yes 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 um i feel like we ran into a string of a string of these ones recently um
0: like it it's 50 50 really for the first season between jm animation which is the in my opinion that is the like gold standard for avatar like they they are the main animation studio um but it is about 50 50 for the first season between them and dr movie which is more as like as we said in the previous episode anime-esque more stilted animation the character models are off which is weird but Mm -hmm. it's not it's bad animation it just is different from the main what were they they
1: they they take a lot of liberties away from it um some of the key some of the key framing um you know is 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 pretty loose um on the characters so yeah they do depart a lot from the character models a little more simplification to it but Mm -hmm. uh this episode aired march 18th 2005 and the imdb rating for king of omashu is 8.1 out of 10
0: which honestly shocked me. Like when I look kind up, of
1: shocks me too.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty high. <laughs> like, especially considering like the, you know, the episodes that we've done thus far, like that's one of the higher ranked ones, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. So I, I I was really, the IMDb is I'll repeat what I said in the first episode that, uh, I I really feel like after this series became very famous and very well acclaimed that just millions of flat fans flocked to IMDB and like looked at the reviews for some of the episodes that are kind of eh. And they were just like, what, how dare they give this a seven out of 10. We need to, those are rookie numbers. We need to pump those numbers up. And they just like voted them up so that like no avatar episodes <laughs> under it? eight.
0: Positively. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so i don't that know, I, don't
0: know. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it it's very interesting um especially well not gonna get too far ahead but the next episode i was shocked by the rating but we'll get to that when we get to it um yeah. so for our fun facts for the king of omashu we have number one boomy as in king boomy Uh, Means Earth in Malay, Indonesian, Tamil, and several Indian languages. So very apt name choice there. So
1: so so, if you are familiar with those languages, the instant that they were like, "Boomy," you knew immediately. You're like, "Oh yeah,
0: Earth King." Yeah, of course. Um, Number two is that this is the first appearance of the Cabbage Man. Now, for you, Todd, like any Avatar fan knows about this poor Cabbage Merchant. <laughs> and this is a running joke in the series. So you will see a lot more of Cabbage Man.
1: <laughs> like, see, I, And I was very sad when the episode ended that I'm like, oh, no, Cabbage Man. Because I was laughing every single time of the Cabbage Man joke. And then I was like, oh no, they're leaving they're leaving Omashu. Now we'll never see the Cabbage Man again.
0: Oh no. you will definitely see him again.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm calling I'm calling it now the Cabbage Man Defeats Fire Lord. That that that's it.
0: <laughs> Firelord was high. I would love that honestly.
1: The five the five elements. Earth, fire, <laughs> water, air, and cabbage.
0: <laughs> I love it. Um and I mentioned Avatar Extras the last episode, I believe, um, where they're like little bubbles that show up when they were showing the um, the episodes on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. They would have like these little extras that would come up in, on the screen, just little fun facts, little tidbits oh. about the show. Um, so Avatar Extras revealed that initially, I guess this is according to the creators, Bumi was supposed to have the body of a frail old man with the idea being that you don't have to have muscles to be a great earthbender, but it was decided that he looked cooler with abs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, design is important. And, like, yeah, he does look very cool. But I, I think that... I, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, on, on a quick note on that, I actually... How do I say this? I feel like their choice to make him at first appear to be an mm-hmm. old man, and then for him to throw off his robes and reveal that he is, like cut he's shredded he's yeah i saw king booby take off his shirt in the shower and he was shredded shredded. he had an eight pack (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh... i
1: feel like that is so in line though with everything else about him like jumping ahead to later to the end of the episode where the whole the whole way that he's identified is that you know you have to expand your mind and you have to look at things from a different perspective you know yeah on the one hand we'd be like oh yeah sure well let's show everybody that he you know you don't have to have muscles mm-hmm. but what if muscles were still awesome though and still helped you out
0: yeah no honestly like when i read that i was, i thought it was kind of interesting because yeah i kind of like what you were saying i thought it was actually a really clever idea to make him appear initially as this old frail man and then have that be subverted,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. um, you know, subverting your expectations by showing he actually is very strong and very capable, um, which I guess it falls in line with what the lesson is that he teaches Aang, which is, you know, you got to expand your mind. You got to think outside the box, you know, things aren't always what they appear. And so I think that it works. Like, I'm glad that they went with it, that they decided to go with that personally. Um, and then our final fact is. This is the first episode not to feature our boy, Prince Zuko.
1: Oh my gosh, okay, so in right in my notes, in my notes, in, in big letters, is written the words, Where's my man Zuko? Where's Zuko? <laughs> Bring me Zuko.
0: <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> I- I never really noticed as a kid just cause I, I never watched this in order. Like I would just watch whatever was playing on Nickelodeon. And this episode mm-hmm. actually played quite a bit from what I remember. Um, yeah. And so I never really thought about it, but binge watching it now I'm like, where's my boy? Where is Zuko and Iroh? I want to see them. Like, I yeah, would, like, I'm, like i'm not
1: gonna i'm not gonna lie I'm not i'll tell you right to, now not to wreck not to not to jump ahead to my rating but I, they lost the whole point from this episode just from not having zuko and iroh <laughs>
0: yeah i would literally tweak and i was like i gotta get i gotta get that zuko where is he
1: i'm just like i want to see the baby
0: <laughs> literally yeah <laughs> uh, so that's interesting that this is the. i mean i don't really know what they could have done with him in this episode um but i don't know it just it's interesting that this is the first one that he does not appear in um
1: it it, is it is interesting and like jumping into an observation of something i did like about it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how do i say this the right way i don't want to say the forbidden words i'm that i I, that i'm glad that zuko wasn't in it because i'm not but they but they needed a lot of room in this episode because they were this was our entire introduction To the Earth Nation, Mm -hmm. like just as a culture, yeah. I I I love, by the way, how everywhere you go, like like things are slightly tinted. Mm -hmm. I love that the Earth Nation. When you go there, it's like Mexico in American-made movies. Everything's just tinted the color of dirt, (laughs) a bit of
0: a sandy, sandy golden (laughs) tone to
1: it. Right. It's like, oh, okay.
0: No, I actually, you know, people make fun of that in movies. And I mean, yeah, it's definitely overdone. But I personally, like, you know this, but our audience does not. I love color. Like, that is a huge thing for me. So I really like that movies do that sometimes. Like, they will just assign a color to a region or a country or a place or whatever. Because it makes it immediately distinguishable from other parts of the world it within the movie or the show or whatever, you know? So, you know, I just, I think of like Game of Thrones and like, you know, the North, it was very blue and gray and very cold feeling. Whereas, you know, King's Landing, it was very golden and beautiful. And it just, I like that kind of stuff. I know people nitpick that like really badly nowadays, but yeah, I, I did notice that as I was rewatching, I was like, it does have a bit of a like golden tinge to it but i like it because it it fits with the earth theme that they got going so
1: no it absolutely does and and you know that it while i i giggle about that too as i was pointing it out just now it, it is a good identifier you know it's a good identifier to be able to see i'm in this place but it's more it serves as a mood setter yeah sure like people make fun of it in movies but it really does set that mood if you want something to appear um even just seem a little grimier and stuff. And they make really good use of that in this episode too, because the interior of, um, of, of King Bumi's, uh uh his dining room, I guess banquet hall. Yeah. It's like this greenish tinge and yeah, like, like every, different... every, everywhere they go, something is like a different color. Like the final, the final dual room was tinged like reddish.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that's something, so since we're talking about it, um, this is, I think, one of the highest points of the episode, if we want to start with positives, is I love that this is really just a world-building episode. Like, it really is. You, This is definitely a filler episode, but it, it filler in the way that, like, it doesn't progress the story, but it fills out the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that Omashu, you know, this this Earth Kingdom city that's run by this, you know, crazy, quote unquote, king. Um, and I love that they use bending to like send and receive mail and just the way that the city is constructed as a giant pyramid. And like it just it's very, very cool visually to see how this world works, because it's very different from what we've seen of the air nomads and, you know, the southern and water tribe. Um well, so... especially
1: because one of the things that's so cool about the earthbending, and we're going to talk quite a bit about earthbending since this is the introduction mm-hmm. to it. Um, it immediately, oh gosh, there's so much to say. So it, it immediately seeing the city and the fact mm-hmm. that it's like this huge, gigantic, just like, I mean, it, it is immense. The city is mm-hmm. immense. And it's such a, like you said, it's a departure. We've seen the very humble water nation tribes down there yeah. in the arctic um we i mean very very you know very primitive living um yeah, really and then we <laughs> right and then we've seen and then we've seen the uh the the, the temple of the the airbenders and again mm-hmm. it's not some gigantic impressive fortress it's not the fire nation you know mm-hmm. um and we see these very humble, very, you know, sort of sort of small civilizations and villages. And this is the first time really seeing this gigantic, impressive city. And you know, and Aang is excited. Aang is excited to go back there. He's like, This is a great city, everybody's so friendly. And of course they find out things aren't quite so friendly anymore. But you right. also see the power immediately, immediately, as poor Cabbage Man is, you know, roughed up by the city guards. And then you see that like the city is protected with these gigantic stone walls that the guards open these three layers of wall like fifty feet thick and you walk through mm-hmm. and they don't even have doors. They just open a hole in the wall and close it again.
0: Right. And that's something that I that's just great. A small little detail for world building is yeah, there aren't any doors because they just use earth bending to right. open and close their buildings and you know their towns and things like that. So it's it's really, really cool. Um, and you know, not to, we're going to need to make like a count of like things that I spoil quote unquote. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be, that's, we're going to start a counter. Um, <laughs> we, we will see Omashu again. It is one of those locations that will reoccur multiple times throughout the series. I assumed,
1: I assumed. Yeah. By the time they were done, they had spent so much time there that I'm like, well, this can't be a throwaway. We have to come back right. to what is, well, appears right now to be the the Avatar equivalent of Minas Tirith. Like, it, like we, we have to be coming back to it sometime. Right. Um, but it also struck me the fact that they had built the entire city with earth bending, which is something you can't do well i mean like you can't it's debatable like you can build your stuff out of ice if you're using water bending, i guess but you know what i mean like you're not building a stone structure out of it very clearly not building skyscrapers out of ice down there in, in the, the water nation and yeah. and while you could use air you're not building something out of air yeah. these people could just wave their hands and conjure just a fortress a city out of the earth it's incredible
0: yeah and that's something that you know there's always this debate amongst avatar fans of like what is the most powerful bending like which is the most powerful bending element and there's lots of factors that kind of factor into that um but you know from a practical standpoint earth bending is inc- is like way up there because it's everywhere and it's just it's earth it's a solid thing it is so much more tangible and you know like it's almost forceful than something like air or water or even fire um you know and we'll we'll discuss that as we get further in and we start to see more you know amazing feats of bending because they're you know we're we just barely scratched the surface like oh, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> but um <laughs> so i i think the earth bending is really cool um and like I love that it has such a practical use like they use it so practically um, which again you can't really do with the others because they're not physical you know what I mean Um,
1: well the other thing that's interesting too and I'll hit on this more in the next episode but like there's always earth around you right virtually there's always some form of earth around you unless you're really high up in the sky or you're Mm -hmm. out of the ocean really really like in some super deep part of the ocean where the, the the soil is just so far underneath you that you can't access it like yeah. there's always dirt there's always dirt around like when are you in yeah. a shortage of stuff to use you could you could not have any water nearby if you're in a desert and there goes your water bending you know what i mean mm-hmm. Like, you could wind up in shortages of a lot of things. The fire bending, the fire bending kills me, though. Just a quick note. The firebending kills me because the fire doesn't start anywhere. It just kind of, yeah, like, I mean, pops. It just kind of appears out of your body.
0: Oh, well, I mean, they actually explain that in, I believe it's either the, I think it's the second episode of the show um, when Iroh's training with Zuko on the ship. And he's explaining that fire doesn't come from the muscle. It comes from the breath so that is literally how they create fire is from breath and so that's why fire is so op because (laughs) they don't need a sword it just comes
1: i don't know it's it's not exactly fire bending though because it's like it comes from your breath yeah but you're not breathing fire you have some sort of of ability to change your breath into fire and that's pretty op, like you say, because I can't turn my breath into water. I can't turn my breath into dirt.
0: <laughs> that would be gross. Um, Is yeah, fire but- bending
1: just air bending? It's a really angsty cousin. Like,
0: I mean, you gotta have air to have fire, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, techni- okay, wait. Technically, though, doesn't it mean I could hold my breath, go underwater, and then fire bend underwater since I still have breath?
0: Yeah, no, you could do that. They actually do that in the show, though.
1: So. <laughs> oh, yes! Continuity. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um But yeah, no, and that's the reason that the firebenders and the Fire Nation were able to basically genocide the entirety of the air nomads because they don't need a source i mean airbenders don't need a source either but they're pacifists they don't fight um why they were so easy to kill basically and so you know firebenders they don't need a source for their power they just are you know they just have this power and that is why because they're so ruthless they were able to take over the world basically in the hundred year matches right exactly so
1: would it be funny though if, it would it be really yeah. funny if every time they did a the fire bend they just whip out a match like hold on a second
0: <laughs> seriously like the start of fire hang on
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get their flint some flint rocks and bang them together yes. put, put your big lighter
0: oh my god everyone wow. in the fire
1: nation smokes
0: <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> wow, that's <a> show. <laughs> um, but anyway back to the episode <laughs> we haven't
1: forgotten you zuko we're gonna talk more about fire bending because you're not in this episode we remember you man
0: later later um so yes love the world building of this episode um i like the locations and all that the color palette's good um i want to talk about the jokes because this is this is a i guess joke filled episode i wouldn't call it a funny episode
1: it's a very silly episode
0: yeah it's a very silly episode which i think kind of matches with the tone and the theme of the episode but like i could see that being off-putting to people because like it's never been this silly it's like yeah. thus far i know we're only what five episodes in but like <laughs> you know it's just it's an interesting change of pace and tone it's a shift. From
1: the- it's definitely a shift yeah two episodes ago we were like weeping over the skeletons of the airbenders, and now we're like, but let's go sledding of the Earth Kingdom.
0: Right. Um so yeah, what what did you think of the comedy of this episode?
1: To I thought it was good. I think that I, I I like the way that the show steps back and forth with different changes of tone and and different moods that it sets. Um, and I personally didn't think it was terribly out of place because this is a very ang centered episode like really really ang just ang's history and ang's self-discovery in the
0: background
1: yeah it's like katara just kind of like hi don't forget we're still here we got the jokes
0: this episode
1: uh quick note though i love how katara is just like still worried about everybody's safety when they're about to go sledding that's like all she cares about is that, that everybody's okay and safe oh
0: yeah you gotta love mom katara (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, she was in mom mode for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, especially when
1: she's all sass and the king. She's like, You let us out of here right now, mister. Pretty much,
0: yes. Um, there were two jokes that I actually thought were pretty funny. Um, because like I said, there were quite a few jokes in the episode, but like only yeah. two really landed for me, and that was when it was in the very beginning of the episode when Ang is in his old man disguise. And you know he comes up with this ridiculous like pip and pat of
1: says. That's hysterical.
0: And Katara just goes with it like completely <laughs> uncaged. She just time. introduces herself, She's kind of like, whatever she said, <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, Katara is ride or die. I love it. Um, and and obviously the Cabbage Man, but that's that's a running the part joke that killed
1: us. me though was when they stops Soka on the way in and they're just like wait a minute and they're just like he stops it's like what are they gonna do does he have to come up with a name too or what and they're just okay. like your grandfather's carry that bag by himself be a gentleman and hold it carry it for him
0: <laughs> it is. Frozen in
1: that was great
0: um, I love that so many Sokka jokes are just basically like self-deprecating, or like the universe just hates him. <laughs> That's like a running <laughs> but, for But him.
1: seriously, though, we love Sokka. So, so let's let me let me remind you that like I picked up on, and and he does this all the time, and I love this that his little yeah. remarks that he makes are apologetic at the end. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't just make like some mean comment and then just go on. He kind of apologizes about it or he's like, that was mean, or he's like, yeah, I had that coming.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the the other joke that I thought was it actually made me laugh out loud. I thought it was very funny because I forgot about this joke um was when boomy at the end of their dinner or whatever he's like take them to the chamber whatever The
1: chamber or the bad chamber the one I that used to be bad one. now we renovated it
0: i love jokes like that i know people can say that they're just like repetitive or whatever but i think they're hilarious like when you just have people bantering and saying basically the same thing over and over again I think it's
1: hilarious. I i was <laughs> hysterical. I thought it was like in in the Lego movie. Like
0: <laughs> Right. Take them to the new chamber that was once bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's great.
0: I, that was very
1: funny. um Bo- Boomy, Boomy was an interesting character. Number one, I knew it was instantly Boomy from the second I laid eyes <laughs> on him because I'm like, oh yeah, look, it's Boomy, and I couldn't believe that like aang didn't instantly recognize him. Like halfway through, I was literally like, it's Boomy, it's Boomy, look at his yeah. eye, it's Boomy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it might just be because he was acting so threatening towards him, and like you know, Aang's a twelve year old, so he doesn't oh, like really, yeah, yeah. You know. Like I can I can believe that he wouldn't recognize him, but like for us, obviously, even as a kid, I was like, that's his friend, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, but I I like Bumi. I know that he, I feel like he gets better as we go along because, like I said, just like with Amashu, we do see him later in the series, yeah. um, and. I think that this this reminds me so much of Yoda. Like, he reminds me so much of Yoda. Yeah. Of, like, yeah, L- kind of playing... When
1: he takes his robe off, yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, flipping around with his lightsaber. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, no, like, when you when you look at Yoda, when he's first introduced in Empire Strikes Back, like, first of all, Luke has no... I was going to say Zuko. Luke has no idea who Yoda is or, like, who he's supposed to be looking for. So Yoda, right. that we know... He's like not at all what he's expecting. He's expecting basically what you just said, you know, a rift, super powerful, you know, Jedi master with a lightsaber. That's not what he gets. you know. No. He gets this really weird, like, just kind of not mentally there little green alien and he's just like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and that's kind of how he present or that's kind of how Bumi is presented at first before he the big reveal um it's just this like totally off his rocker like senile old man <laughs> like mm-hmm. but then you know obviously it's all just a, a front or a trick and i kind of like that like i like yeah, the deception he's, he's
1: revealed he's not a senile old man he's the senile ripped man <laughs> right
0: exactly <laughs> um so yeah i i like it and i like his weird laugh and design and just He's just a weird so, character. I really
1: like him. So, the thing that's also really cool that I'm going to throw out here is that I loved watching him because he's like, I'm the most powerful earthbender. As soon as he said that, I'm like, all right, let's see it. Let's see the most powerful earthbender. If that's what he claims he is, let's see all his tricks. Let's see everything you can do with it. And my man's boomy did not disappoint. He came out swinging in the first round, and it was really, really cool. And what I think is cool about that is like, you you get to see because the 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 Earth um, nation is also a lot in the in the next episode, in episode six, mm-hmm. and boy oh boy, they cannot do the things that King Boomy can do. Like, like <laughs> you know, I mean, the man is literally named after dirt in like four different languages. Like the man right. knows his stuff
0: yeah and he's also 112 years old so he is a full-blown like like beyond master like, so. it's,
1: it's, it's like yoda like you're saying once again he's like the master of this art because he's been adept at it for so many years it, it, right. it, it really and, and the fact that he's you know does his pilates certainly keeps him spry for fighting 12 year olds he does not skip leg day no he definitely does not
0: but yeah um i I really, like, for the, like, it really dawned on me that this is the first time we see Earthbending in action in the show, like, outside of, obviously, the intro. Um, And, yeah, it's really impressive what he's, like, how he's able to manipulate the Earth and, like, the moves that he does against Aang and just how creative it is with what he does with the Earth, Um, you know, and that that's really cool to see. And we see more of that down the line, of course, but... Um, I think this is a really cool introduction to the element of Earth for the show, and right. you know, it's it's really cool.
1: <laughs> and with that, I give my rating on this episode. All right. So 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 this episode gets because we've been praising it for so long. This episode reads for me a a whopping four point five out of ten.
0: What? <laughs> wow! <laughs> because I here was is... not expecting that
1: because <laughs> here here because here honestly is why we've because we've been praising the the lore of the episode the world building and it's really really good
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the humor in the episode is a refreshing change and it's it's nice and i do appreciate it and boomy boomy the battle against boomy is amazing but the episode is for me so incredibly disjointed and like they waste a half of the episode basically sledding around and i'm like okay this is a really cool and everything but like we only <laughs> have like 22 minutes guys come on i need some story right. it really the story the story arc of the episode and like you were saying it's mostly world building it's not story when there's no story i feel like there's going to be a theme of like me throughout the series when the story stops happening my interest goes like my investment gets like way down i'm like where's the story where's zuko no story no zuko we have the jokes you get a point we have cool world building you get another point you have a cool fight against boomy you get another point and then we get the introduction to, to really good you know earth bending and a great final final fight but even his tests like i get that they were just to subvert like you go in thinking it's one thing and it's something else, but they, the first two tests seemed really dumb to me.
0: Right. <laughs> I think that they were meant to be like, it's supposed to be like playing into the old man, just losing his mind. And I that's know, why
1: I know. Was- and like in, in context they were, <laughs>
0: but like, for, for, with, yeah.
1: Yeah. But for me, it was just, it was so just like, okay, <laughs> I know what's going on. I know the third test is going to be a fight just stop it just go to just go to the end i get what we're doing go
0: past that never yeah,
1: show I, I no seriously like like the good parts were really good but there's so many parts of the episode that i'm just like all right can we just move on to the next good part like Ooh. that i was just i was just <laughs> bored i was i was just bored
0: that's that's totally fair honestly i was kind of like i was expecting you to not care for this episode because i don't personally care for this episode but i was not expecting a 4.5 out of 10 that's hilarious i
1: want to prove that my rating system can be brutal when the episodes don't match up because i've been giving like eights and nines like, to you straight up stuff.
0: gave a 9.5 on the last or not that last but the third episode i, like, I
1: did yeah i told you so <laughs> expectations it. just like Boomy. i learned
0: yeah. <laughs> um i wouldn't give it that low i would maybe give it like a This rating is, these ratings are not going to mean anything by the end of this podcast, whatever. Um, Maybe like a 5.5 or at the most a 6, but I'll I'll stay with 5.5. I think that the world building and the fact that we will see these characters in this place again makes it important enough to like watch it but not there's no need to re-watch it you know yeah
1: i'm sure in hindsight the episode being establishing for something that you get to see experience a lot more later on probably makes it more important looking back but like as a first time viewer i'm just like well that was good i guess we'll never see this place again if not not for (laughs) my friend amanda here to let me know we'll see all these places and people again
0: yes Um, (laughs) well with that interesting uh discussion let's move on to the next episode you want to give us our stats
1: yes yes so this is episode six imprisoned uh it's written by matthew hubbard and it's directed by dave filoni i was going to ask you (laughs) is the combo of matthew hubbard and dave filoni did they write and direct the any of any of these episodes so far in this condo? No.
0: No. Dave Filoni only did the first two episodes, directed the only first two episodes, I believe, so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I if I remember correctly, those were written by Michael Dante Di Martino and Brian Conitsko, the creators. Oh, okay. oh um, right, right.
1: They was written right this is the first okay. time
0: that Matthew and Dave have teamed up. I don't know if they do later in in down the line, but yeah.
1: If it's any indication of how much I like the episode, I just asked if the writers and directors were the same as the as the the show opener. So, <laughs> right.
0: Uh,
1: it is animated by a J.M. Animation, so we're we're uh, getting Very some pretty. of the, the high quality, pretty, really pretty yeah. animation. Love of... it. Yes, it is beautifully animated. This episode was visually really, really cool. um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, even just some of the concepts on it. I mean, because take. A second just to say that the like mm-hmm. the fire nation like mining outpost like base out there in the ocean is so cool probably the <laughs> coolest location that i've seen in the series so far
0: the random ass mining co-location you're thought like it was
1: re- well i thought it was so cool because the fire well okay because the fire nation also on top of it it's this entirely man-made constructed thing okay mm-hmm. so like let me take for a second <laughs> like omashu was like a big example of look with the look with the the earth nation can create and with their earth bending they can raise a city just out of nowhere and I'm like yeah you know what none of the other benders can do forge yeah. ore with fire into metal which mm-hmm. it, it dawned on me entirely i'm like well of course they have a fleet of metal warships out there <laughs> mind blown because yeah, they have the power like, they, they have metallurgy. They are literally more technologically advanced than any of the other, like, in the traditional sense. I mean, the earthbenders do amazing stuff with their earthbending. Look at the mail system, look at the roller coaster system. But, but, like, the Fire Nation has all this industry because they have fire. And, like, it's such a simple concept, but I'm just like, whoa. But so I thought their whole, like, base out in the middle of the ocean built. And remember what I said last time, in order for the earthbenders to not be effective, you have to be so high above the ocean floor. This thing is on gigantic metal stilts, so high up from the ocean floor. And I'm just like, how do they build this? This is
0: amazing. World building is great. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was so impressed by the Fire Nation. I'm just like, you guys got this locked down. You're going to win.
0: Your <laughs> Team Fire Nation. <laughs> team,
1: team Fire Nation. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God, we haven't even got through the stats
1: yet. <laughs> no, I actually had to. Oh, great job, JM Animation, on making the cool Fire Nation base look amazing. Yeah, there
0: you go. Bring me back around.
1: Here we are, that with the context. Great job, guys. uh This episode aired on March 25th, 2005, and the IMDb rating of episode six, Imprisoned, is 7.8 out of 10. <laughs> Bullshit. Because <laughs> it's so low compared Sorry. to the last one.
0: I'm like, that is this. Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and skip ahead to my general thoughts because this is my favorite episode <laughs> the, of the show thus the,
1: far. The outrage. The I outrage.
0: Am so upset. <laughs> it burst,
1: the outrage burst out like Boomy's abs from underneath his robe.
0: Literally. I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, dis- absolute disrespect. <laughs> Like, literally, this is my favorite episode thus far that we've covered, and I couldn't believe that it. It's, like, I think the lowest rated that we've got that we've gone over. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's still a high rating in general. But like, how is this higher than the last episode, or sorry, lower than the last episode? I don't mm-hmm. understand.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't make any sense. It defies all logic
0: yeah so anyway we'll get more into it but first we gotta uh, get apparently
1: to apparently the some people online noted the absence of prince zuko and uncle Iro in the previous episode and i think they're anti-fire nation extremists and they bumped up the rating unfairly
0: that's got to be the only reason
1: <laughs> take us away with some fun facts about this one
0: yes so this is the first episode in which all four elements are bent outside of the opening credits. Haru, Tyro, and the other prisoners, Earthbend, Katara, Waterbends, the Warden and the Fire Nation soldiers, Firebend, and Aang, Airbends. So that's, I didn't even really notice that until I like looked at the fun facts. I was like, that's totally true. We haven't seen bending all together, all four elements being bent in one episode until now. That's really cool. The only
1: one we're missing is cabbage bending. I know.
0: <laughs> 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 oh my god. Um, this actually is really interesting and kind of sad, but I was like, This is a whole ass story. Um, so the second fact is George Takai, who voices the warden,
1: I didn't, you didn't- realize it. What? I thought uh, the whole time I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I know this guy, who is this I voice again? I know this voice. I'm I couldn't place who. it at all. No, wow, <laughs>
0: yeah, this. That's something you're going to notice very quickly is that this show gets a lot of guest stars as like minor characters or like background characters. And I
1: suspected and then, that it was somebody famous. I just couldn't put my finger on who it was.
0: Oh yeah. It's George Takai, Mr. Sulu himself. Wow. But anyway, um, so George Takai, who voiced the warden um, and his family found themselves in a similar situation to the earthbending prisoners in this episode during world war II, they were forced to relocate to a Japanese American internment camp in Arkansas. And later transferred to another camp in california much like the villagers who were being imprisoned simply for being earthbenders to and his family were forced into these camps simply for being of japanese heritage that is so tragic but kind of crazy that that like coincides so closely to like the story like i yeah. thought that was very fascinating and i did not know that about george takai like i really all i know about him is that he's mr sulu and that's about it um so So i I
1: actually i actually knew i actually knew that about him and so as soon as you said yeah i knew that about him just i i I know a bit about him he used to be in the he he was in the media um a a lot more like than he is right now he 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 used to be in the media a lot like what, what am i trying to say like maybe six or seven years ago i think um mm-hmm. and there was just a ton of about him i don't know if he was like on some shows or things like that uh more uh at the time but i know there's a lot of like facts about him floating around and i did learn this and so when you said that it was george Sakai, all this stuff like exploded into my brain where i'm just remember when number one shocked it was him and then mm-hmm. number two i played back the entire episode in like four seconds and i was like my well, yes that was his voice and then okay. this fact hit me before you read it and that's the whole time i'm just like wow <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I wonder. I just wonder out loud. And, and if anybody who is who is listening to this at any point, in whatever comment section there is, reach out to us. um It makes me wonder if there's any story behind his involvement in this episode. Like the fact that he was chosen to do this role, and that it had this coincidence, like it, 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 connection to his to his own life experiences. Was that part of it? Did that come up? Was there any
0: coincidence?
1: Right. Was did it just happen to be a really weird coincidence? I think I don't know. Coincidence? I think not.
0: Coincidence. Um, so yeah, that's very fascinating. And then our final fun fact for this episode is that this is the first and only episode in the series in which Zuko appears but does not speak. Unfortunately, (laughs) I love listening to Dante Bosco talk
1: great episode and like the best part the the, the cherry on top was seeing <laughs> really? zuko at the end it was so good too when he just appears there. oh
0: my god we have to like we will talk about that final scene but like let's not get too far ahead of ourselves no no <laughs> no
1: gonna yeah let's good. start at the end of the episode and just rewind backward now um it's evolving so... just backwards yeah so so speaking of voice actors i'm gonna jump right in on this um Mm -hmm. haru's father what's his name tyro yeah tyro tyro so correct me if i'm wrong he's voiced by uh kevin michael richardson Mm -hmm. and as the instant that man opens his mouth i know his voice because he has voiced Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters. I mean, I know his voice from like Elder Scrolls games. I know his voice from like the Justice League and Teen Titans series because he voiced um um Trigon and Martian Manhunter. Um Man. even back to a long time ago, back in the days when I was a teenager watching uh dexter's laboratory and he mm-hmm. the voice of action hank like the whole time every time he opened his mouth i was like tyra just talk to me again i don't have zuko in this episode but i have you
0: see it's funny because i enough i could be totally wrong about this but i think doesn't he voice captain gantu in lilo and stitch
1: i think he you does
0: know? yeah because i re- like i knew that i knew the voice from somewhere when i was watching the episode and i'm like to the google that- Is that freaking Captain Gantu from Lilo and Stitch? One of my favorite characters in the show or the movies. I freaking love him. It 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 is. is. Knew it.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep.
0: I love his voice, and he's so funny in that movie. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. yeah, No. He's so good it's so like warm but like it commands so much respect and like it's perfect for like an earthbending older earthbender um who's seen a lot of shit and like just it's, well, <laughs> yeah it's like poor guy um yeah and
1: kevin if you're listening to this you you nailed the voice It was awesome because it needed to carry like you said uh, this 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 the sort of this tragedy and this way and this 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 also this kind of this guilt like Mm -hmm. you know he could but he won't and and to have a character that has such power because he is very powerful impressive power but Mm -hmm. for his spirit to be broken like you can't just say the lines with that like i appreciate good yeah
0: i thought he did a great job and i (laughs) i yeah i just really love having like these really well-known voice actors that don't really mm-hmm. get a lot of like appreciation because they're voice actors and not like in person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I love hearing those like immediately distinguishable voices in a show like this. Cause you're just right. like, wow, they got that guy. They got George Takai. They got, you know, uh mark hamill for fire lord ozai like it's crazy um but uh i love it i love so much that like the show is so good that they got so many talented people behind it that weren't just doing it for a paycheck this could totally have been a paycheck job but no he like put everything into it and i love it (laughs) shout out to all the voice actors out there we love you
1: (laughs) we do we love you guys um so i i want to say this was a great katara episode
0: oh yeah this is like the Great guitar episode. She's got so many, but this is one of, this was where it all started. I love it.
1: <laughs> it, it was, it was so good. And I mean, it, it, it really culminated in the grant in our, in our tradition, as you can tell of jumping to the climactic point <laughs> and then going back over the parts that yeah. led up to it, her speech to the prisoners
0: mm-hmm. oh, is, so is amazing. Good. I get sh- I got I actually rewatched that scene three times because I kept getting chills and like I've like, acted
1: up uh, to watch it twice.
0: Yes, it's so good. And like is... Mayweather delivery is phenomenal. Oh mm-hmm. so good. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just said yeah, no, that. Here
1: we are, just though, no, like we literally just kind of sat here, just so sobered by by <laughs> that because it really is such a great point in the episode. You know, she we talked about her her kind of mother figure role in the group as as she's very protective of everybody but but something that really came out in this episode in huge ways that that it was a highlight of her is that she wants to see people put forth their best
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that is a very kind of complex statement to apply to everybody and everything but she does and and diving into the character a little bit as much as i know her at this mm-hmm. point you know she really struggles with her own abilities and she really doesn't feel confident in her own skills but we see her working at them like one of the things i keep flashing back to whenever i think of katara is back in um what was the, four, was it the fourth episode where uh, ang was trying to make her jealous the
0: yes that's the, the fourth warrior episode right. right
1: right 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 um Where she's while he pops in being like, "Hey, I'm gonna go ride the giant sea dragon thing." She's there practicing her water bending with the water in the pot, and I'm just like, "I love that. I love how she's just in her spare time. She's just practicing her water bending. She's just practicing mm-hmm. her water bending, but she doesn't do it out in the open. She's right. not like Sokka who goes and bangs on the door of the dojo and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna show you what a great warrior I am." And she's, right. she's not like Ang who's like, "I want to go up there really fast. Let me just." Use my air bending like it's a function of my body, mm-hmm. like to do everyday things. Hey, I want that cup over there, gust of wind, blow it into my hand. Like he uses yeah. it super casually, but she just like practices in the quiet moments between moments when she's alone and just I, just... I think it's great that she pushes herself very privately, but then she also kind of has that like, let me take this person aside and give them a quiet moment and motivate them. And mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, Harry, you can go, you can help these people, and you know, until she, of course, hears from Harry's mother why it is that that she doesn't want him to do it. Right. But but like, Katara just so wants to motivate people. I think the same way that she finds motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's people pressured to to with the weight of responsibility the Soka has to be a great warrior because everyone's depending on him and back at the village where the Aang Mm -hmm. has to become the, the avatar and master all the elements because the world is counting on him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, just more or less has this personal conviction. Nobody is pressuring her at all. She's pressuring her. And so when she addresses people's motivations, she doesn't do it from the, but the world is counting on you. You have to do it. She's like, Mm -hmm. I believe in you. It's just,
0: <laughs> yeah, Katara's amazing. <laughs> I love her. Um, yeah, no, I I totally agree. And like like one of the things that's kind of synonymous with Katara as a character throughout the entire series is that she is the hopeful one. She always believes in people and you know, wants them, like you said, wants them to put forth their best and be the best version of themselves, herself included and just help people, and just, like, she never turns her back on people that need her, and so it's, that I think that's right at the forefront of this episode. I mean, the whole point of the episode, the whole imprisonment, you know, that the episode's named for, is that she is literally putting herself on the line to help people that she doesn't even know. She doesn't know these people. To to inspire
1: Uh, hope in them, where they've lost all of their hope.
0: Exactly. I'm just like, that's so good.
1: It is. Um, And and, you know, and one of the, one of the things that was so striking, and I had the word hope written really big, you know, what what has she brought us? (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's, it's that she comes from, we talked about it earlier about the last episode, but you know, she comes from a very humble little village. Mm -hmm in a land where and i i there is very little more for her people to subsist on and survive on besides mm. hope right if there's anything that Qatar knows how to grow out of nothing it's hope because that for the most part that's all her people has to get themselves by and wake up in the morning and keep doing what they're doing right so they're, they're kind of in a bad spot down there down there <laughs>
0: it's not it's not ideal living that's for sure
1: no and so it's amazing that like you know she is so good at generating that for the people around her because they need it that that's what she brings forward now to to the prisoners when Mm -hmm. the, the when they're taken and they're by the way, real quick, this is not go, you go in my notes. This is just totally off the top of my head. Remembering, Soka's whole plan to use the vent to lift the boulder so it looked like she's earthbending, my man's is a genius.
0: Yeah, and, no, he really and,
1: is. And yes, Aang, the definition of genius has changed in the last hundred years. It has.
0: Look it up in the dictionary. It's Sokka. Soka, he's Sokka's yeah. so smart. He is. I love him so much. Like, that's, his defining thing is, yeah, he's the brains of the group. Like he likes to think he's the leader, but really he's the brains. And yeah. like, that's his superpower. He doesn't bend, but he is able to use his brain in ways that benders can't because he has to think outside the box and like, you know, get right. on their level in different ways. And it's just, yeah, that since we're talking about that scene in particular, that is one of the funniest jokes in this entire show. <laughs> when You
1: it's know, the lemur is earth-bending.
0: That's <laughs> stupid. I, I loved it. Oh I my god. It. I literally had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. Same. That's totally
1: the humor that I like the best in the show is those moments where, like, something yeah. is serious, and then Should the humor we? just I'll comes out of Right, it just comes out of nowhere. They're in the middle of this tense situation, like it's got to work, and the fire and the Fire Nation soldiers see them, and they're just like, oh, "That leader, it's Earthbending." It's
0: earth-bending. <laughs> no, it's the girl. And yeah. then they just go, oh. "Embarrassed." <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I love it. It not only is it hilarious and it's just like, just perfect situational comedy, but. I love that it almost in a way humanizes the Fire Nation soldiers.
1: Stop reading my mind. I was that was my very next thing I was gonna say too. <laughs> yes, we're
0: on the, <laughs> the force now, connecting us. Everybody
1: this, this is why, this is why we are doing this podcast together. Why has why has the force connected us like this?
0: <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. So what, what were you gonna say about
1: that? No, this is the very same thing that it would be very easy for, you know anime bad guys they're just like the 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 stormtroopers these like emotionless thoughtless mm-hmm. just they're there as as fodder in 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 combat they're there as the symbol the faceless emotionless symbol of the fire nation no they're hilarious
0: yeah no and they have so much personality and i think that's because they use a lot, I don't know if you've noticed thus far, but a lot of the background characters, like the characters that have, will have like one or two lines, most of them are voiced by Bradley D. Baker. And you can almost hear the clones in the voices, because, you know, he uses different voices in <laughs> clones. And I'm just like, right. is that Fives? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's so good, but he adds so much personality to these, like, who could have just been nameless, you know, soldiers, like you said, the stormtroopers but he adds so much like hilarity and like personality that like you almost feel kind of bad for them you're like wow that was a really stupid mistake to make dude um yeah i love that and this
1: you know it reminded me of it it reminded me a bit of that that scene from the season finale of episode one or uh, of season one of the mandalorian where the biker scouts are sitting there and they're just talking (laughs) amongst each other and they're (laughs)
0: yes baby yoda (laughs) yes
1: it's that it's that that moment where it humanizes them a little bit and we almost start to connect a little bit with them and of course for people who haven't seen that episode of the mandalorian we won't spoil what happens but yeah we we don't we don't know much more about them after that
0: yeah (laughs) but yeah no i love that and you know since i told you guys if you don't like star wars i would click away now (laughs) um (laughs) but like that's one of the things like love them or hate them i love that especially in the force awakens they give the stormtroopers actual personalities like some of the most iconic scenes from the force awakens are the stormtroopers reactions to the craziness that happens you know with mm-hmm. kylo ren like i love that or like with them when they have ray captured like that to me like i love humanizing background characters it mm-hmm. just makes it so much more immersive and like funny sometimes and sometimes heartbreaking like so i love that this show does that like it's not afraid to make you know the bad guys look like idiots or like even mm-hmm. you know likable you know um so it just adds a whole another layer of dimension because they could just be evil you know anime villains or stormtroopers that have no personality but they don't do right. that and i appreciate it no, <laughs> so, it, right? it
1: is yeah it is really 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 good um the episode the episode overall is just really solid like everything from the establishment of this place where the, the earth bending is illegal the the revelation of why it was um the again amazing plan to to get katara captured so that she could go and figure out where they are um it, it it also struck me by this part in the series and like having a flying bus basically yeah. makes your life so easy like yeah. you can go anywhere just like oh yeah you get captured and we'll all just follow you in the in the in the, the magic school bus here it, it's
0: Love Ava, who also is voiced by Bradley D. Baker. Him and Momo both are voiced by him. So (laughs) great job, Bradley. Um, Also,
1: Momo for MVP. Like uh, in in the series, like anytime they can't do something, Momo to the rescue.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, Very useful having a tiny little what cat lemur
1: reincarnation (laughs) of an avatar. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, this. So kind of backtracking just a bit. But another one of my favorite jokes from this episode that also made me laugh out loud to where I had to pause it was when the warden is interrogating the two captains or whatever, and they're talking about seeing Appa flying around, and he just throws one of them overboard into the water. <laughs> and Tell
1: the goes, captain to do whatever. and Whatever he's like that. The was captain, the
0: captain. <laughs> sir, that <laughs> <was> the captain. <laughs> then wake someone I haven't thrown overboard. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I just, so funny and it is it literally reminds me so much of that scene from national lampoon christmas vacation get me some anybody and get me somebody while i'm waiting <laughs> like, <laughs> so funny oh my god It
1: is really I, good
0: uh, see uh,
1: like, i just the humor the humor is on point and see and that's the thing <laughs> like i and, and, and i love it when it just is in the middle of the seriousness in the middle mm-hmm. of it like you don't have to have a silly episode for to make the jokes funny they're funny when they are they're they're funny all right but they're funnier for me when there's a serious situation and then it just breaks for a joke it's very it's very marvel something really heavy is happening
0: some people hate that you said that
1: But but it, but it, it works. It's abused a lot of times in, in more, some of the more recent Marvel releases. But like it's it's it has always been known as the Marvel formula of make oh, it serious and then tell a joke, and then it can get right. serious and tell a joke.
0: Right. I just like that they don't like these jokes are as I said situational jokes. So yeah. they come naturally because of the situation that the characters find themselves in. They don't stop the story, or you know whatever's they, happening. They don't
1: break immersion.
0: Right. It's the jokes come because of what's happening, not they don't stop it and then are like, hey, we think funny joke and then continue with whatever, ha- you know, is happening. So right. that's, yeah, this episode, hilarious. Um, although what's not funny at all is one of the most hated Avatar characters, that old man that snitched on Haru, I, I still get mad about it. I'm like, are you kidding I
1: me? I so angry that man is public enemy number one
0: literally like (laughs) if there is not a character that i hate in avatar except for that (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah does he come
1: back does does this traitor uh, old man come back later too
0: that would be i don't know how that would happen but i would drop kick him i'd be like (laughs) not come
1: back that's every every character has been coming you've been promising they're going to be back yeah i hope old man comes back just so avatar can just like the avatar can just whack him in the face with a tornado at some point
0: um oh my gosh there was oh so the necklace let's talk about the necklace because this leads into the end (laughs) i think that the yeah, Katara's necklace. Sorry, I should have been a little more
1: <laughs> Oh, okay.
0: Like what? What necklace?
1: I was like, wait a minute, what necklace?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. The Katara's um mother's necklace that she explained to Haru, you know, why she has it, what it means to her, and like how it's like the only thing that she has left of her mother. Oh,
1: right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, that actually is very important. <laughs> mm-hmm. In- More ways than one. Um, and I when I tell you when I was a kid and the ending of this episode came, you know, the very last scene, and then the necklace was gone, and we just see it on the ship, and Zuko picks it up and without saying anything, just looking at it, and he's looking at why
1: he did pick up the necklace. I knew it was gone. I forgot that he took it. I forgot. I I
0: forgot. There's a lot to
1: remember from these episodes. I forgot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool, because he didn't say anything. Um, but, yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> Let's just say. Because I am a gigantic Zatarian. I ship Zuko and Katara so hard. <laughs> and now, this was the first real, like, oh, this means that they're going to have to, like, cross paths because he's got, like, a very precious thing to her and she wants. To, she's going to need to get it back from him. Like, <gasps> uh, like, I was... Oh, I still get butterflies every time I watch that scene. I'm like, this is like where it all started for me at least. Um,
1: see, see, that was at the very end. and like I looking back now, I remembered it. I just was happy he was back. So in hindsight, oh, yeah. I forgot why he was there. but I remember now that he picked up the necklace at the end. But yeah,
0: yes, yeah, so very, so, very strong end to the episode.
1: <laughs> he had a very like Darth Maul watching the ship leave whole turning off his lightsaber there oh, they yeah. like i'll get you you know
0: oh yeah for sure <laughs> like yes. this is not over
1: very um, cool very cool um yeah. so i really like the episode um this one was hard to rate for me because really? it, he had he had a lot of really good parts to it but i felt like the story the story was very like it was a very personal sort of story because it had those notes in it. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt like in in some ways, I'm not. I, I, I don't want to say like negative things about it. It's just I feel like the story gave us like drama, but not overly much drama. It wasn't the Avatar destroying the temple as he goes Super Avatar Three, you know, in in rage. And the episode, so it had a bunch of drama, but it didn't have a, a ton of drama. It had action, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really have a lot of action. We didn't have like the fight in the village and the, the fan, the warrior woman village, we had like a scuffle with them at the end, but like he was to escape, it wasn't like this battle, but they fought to escape and it was cool, but it wasn't like really big battle. It was like battle Mm -hmm. and the episode was funny. And he had some really good funny stuff some of the best jokes but the episode over wasn't overly funny so the episode yeah. did everything well but i didn't feel like it did anything extremely well because the episode there's only so much you could fit into 22ish minutes mm-hmm. and so like i just i didn't feel like the episode really hit a ten on any level it for me um yeah. didn't did it because they kind of had fit in a lot of everything but not overly much um i'm actually and it was funny Is i actually have it rated slightly lower in my notes but there's so many more things i appreciate now from us talking about it um Mm -hmm. i give it a solid 8 out of 10. i had it marked as 7.5
0: that's my boy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) wow i love this episode like i (laughs) as you can tell i really don't have any real criticisms about it honestly like I can't think of anything that I was like, oh, I wish that they had done this differently or, you know, I just, it's crazy to me that they fit so much story into 23 minutes. Like it's insane. That could be like its own mini movie basically um, with how much stuff is happens and, you know, just everything. Mm. So for me, it's like a solid nine out of 10, honestly, <laughs> like, nice. um, I really love it. I love the animation. I love that we get this beautiful, um, you know, colors and this cool bending and that ending hook with Zuko finding the necklace, which becomes very important later, like just me knowing that.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: think that it's so solid and, you know, it's directed well. Dave Filoni, you know, Um, trying to think. Oh, right. Matthew Hubbard. There we go. Um, yeah, I love this episode. Like I said, it's my favorite thus far. Um, like i said we only go up from here so it's very (laughs) but um yeah i I really loved it so i'm glad that you you know raised your ranking a little bit because
1: you know and that's one of the things i love about discussing the episodes with you is that there's so many more things that get illuminated out of it whether it's something out of the fun facts or or whatever it is you know um or just things that you say you appreciate that I don't really realize, and then I through you appreciate something that I'm like, yeah, that was really good. Um, but yeah, no, um again, I really appreciate you know a lot of things highlighted by a super fan of the series, especially when even even though they're slightly spoilery, when you're like, This'll be back, it kind of yeah. enhances it because like sometimes I don't care much for an element because it was a one off, and if it was a one off, then it seemed kind of stupid. Right. But, like, hearing that it will be back, it's like, oh, I actually like it better now because it seemed really dumb to have that as just something we see and it's really cool and we never see it again. So, you know, yeah. I am happy to hear a lot of the stuff is, is in fact, world-building.
0: Oh, yeah. Here's just a general rule, and, I mean, I'm sure you've picked on, up on it now, but um general rule of watching Avatar for the first time, damn near everything you see will come back in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> multiple times. So, like, what may seem like a one-off or just like a little adventure, whatever, and that will never be talked about or discussed again, I guarantee it will. <laughs> so they, the tight-knit storytelling of, like I said, what seems like it wouldn't be important coming back later with great importance is so good. And that's why when you're binge-watching it, it really rewards you. You're like, I actually remember that from that other episode. Like, oh my God, right. it's back. This character's back or this place. And it's yeah, it's, it's really, really cool to see it all. Like it's all coming together
1: <laughs> Well, and see, and I think that further kind of nails in the point that we made, which I believe we made in the first episode of this podcast that, you know, we we're kind of shying away from the word filler because mm-hmm. some of the things, they're not just one-off things that never show up again. That's just there to have a fun romp on some new place and do something cool. And have right. an adventure of the week that has no significance because all these returning elements have significance so they're not really yep. filler they're just introduction and world building even if they do get four and a half out of ten ratings <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. totally fair <laughs> right um yeah no but with that uh, no, uh episodes uh five and six were really good uh i can't wait to see what the series uh holds in store
0: That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff.
1: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.